Hey everyone, and welcome to The Rational Republican, a podcast where we look at complex issues facing us here in Oregon and around the nation. We'll try to address issues from a nonpartisan perspective and view our disagreements through a lens of respect rather than tribalism or divisiveness. I'm James Ball. This is Nick Perlosky. Hey listeners, how we doing? Today's podcast is brought to you by ProLift Garage Doors. ProLift is your one-stop shop for residential and small commercial garage doors from openers, springs, and rollers to full reinstalls. They offer same-day service on all garage door repairs with no extra charge for evenings or weekends. Serving the greater Portland metro area, call today and set up your free estimate at 503-558-6349 or at proliftdoors.com slash Portland. Again, that's 503 558 6349 or proliftdoors.com/slash Portland. On this episode of the podcast, we have Brent Clapp, who is the owner of EO Alive Media, stands for Eastern Oregon. So we are this is our second podcast of the Eastern Oregon trip here in Lagrande. So uh Brent is also running for county commission. So Brent, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Yeah, you bet. Thanks for being here. Absolutely. Yeah, it's been uh it's been a good trip so far. So um why don't you tell me a little about yourself? How did you get into the the media business? Well, I uh, I went to grew up in Wyoming originally, Casper, Wyoming. So, Lagrand named after the ghost. I'm sure. What's that? Named after the ghost. That's I'm right. Sure. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, went to Northwest Nazarene University in Napa, Idaho. That's kind of how I got out this direction. Uh, graduated with a degree in ministry, but while I was there, I uh, Worked in their educational media department and gained some experience through that. And after that, I became a professional photographer and videographer. Did that for a period of four years and taught media courses also at the university for a total of four years. And then I was a youth pastor and a senior pastor. And that's kind of what led me here to Legrand. Went through a divorce and uh, got remarried. And needed another career because that's divorces are hard on ministry <laughs> and generally frowned upon. Yeah, yeah. and sure, so yeah. did did some different things. You know, was a warehouse manager here locally, and and in two thousand nine during the economic downturn, I got laid off and didn't even own a camera at the time. And my wife Tanya says, you know, you really need to do something you love. And so we started a, a, tip, a traditional production house called Brent Clapp Media Services. Worked out of the back bedroom, the spare bedroom of the house now here, and now we're in our third location. In 2014, we started a digital TV station called, at the time it was Lagrand Alive TV, mm. and now it's EO, Eastern Oregon Alive TV. And so then, and it started with streaming. We were streaming for a client, and this was before streaming was easy. And right. then we did a football game, and then, well, we should do a season of games, and, well, we should have a newscast, and, well, we should call ourselves something. And so that's kind of how that has evolved over a period of time. Our focus is super local. Like we don't really sure. care about what's happening anywhere else outside of the world because – the Eastern Oregon people, that's what they care about. They care yeah. about home here. And so that's kind of been our focus. So that's kind of how we got into it. And and my wife and I are partners and owners in it. I work full time doing that and have five 
employees. Most of them are part time. Wow. A couple of them are close to full time, but it's a it's it's a it's a load. Yeah, <laughs> Sounds like it. Yes, sir. Yeah. yeah, trying to put out one of these podcasts every couple of weeks, I can, I can yeah, right. that's, appreciate that's the enough. amount of work that's involved. Uh, well, cool. So, what made you decide to run for county commission? Well, um, you know, when I stopped being in the ministry, I really I knew that I had talents in leadership mm-hmm. and really wanted to find a place to serve. And so then after a period of time, I decided to, our business is right downtown on the Grand. And so then uh, I became a part of the Chamber of Commerce Board, uh, became a part of uh, La Grand Main Street downtown and was president of that board. And currently I'm the president of La Grand Rotary. And so it's just those, those leadership positions I felt like were a good stewardship mm-hmm. of who I was. And so being county commissioner or running for county commissioner has just been kind of an extension of that. I don't, you know, I mean, there's a lot, there's a lot into that, but at the end of the day, it's, it's kind of what I feel directed to do. I think that, um, when people are involved, when good people, good leaders are involved in, uh, organizations, whatever it might be. And I, you know, my, my son is, He's 32 or 33 right now. And I'll, he'll complain every once in a while. It's like, well, get involved in leadership. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. he'll complain. It's like, all of you old baby boomers, you're the ones that's <laughs> running everything. It's like, well, well is your name get, on a ballot? Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, you can fix yeah, this get, real easy. Get, yeah. Get involved. Jump in. Yeah. So that's, so it's just, that's just an extension of, of who it is that I am. And I'm, I'm not a politician. I mean, I'm right. not. Uh, I'm not running from a place of where I think my opinion is superior to anybody else's, you know, but I do carry with me some experience. And I think that that experience uh, could be some beneficial effect to Union County. So. Yeah. Well, and, so, and this is one of the things, honestly, that we love on our show is, you know, it, everybody has an opinion on Donald Trump. Everybody has an opinion on Joe Biden and Nancy Pelosi and abortion and gay marriage and whatever, you know, big national hot ticket items. We we always love to hear about what's going on at just at, at a at a hyper, hyper local level and how people are able to go through and, and be able to, to jump in and get involved and be able to make a difference. And obviously, somebody with the CV that you've got both in, in the relationships that you've been able to build and in the leadership positions you've been able to hold and in the work that you've done with, you know, being involved here in the city of LeGrand, are there any like successes that you feel you're going to be able to kind of springboard onto uh, onto your next role should you win your election or are there any is there any kind of like aspirational work that you've got that you say boy like i'd love to be able to fix this well and i spent a good deal of, deal of time thinking about that and i think that you know i think that probably one of my greatest qualifications is is that i've failed at times and I've recovered from failure. I've made mistakes, severe mistakes, you know, and, um, you know, having, having a crash in the town that I was the minister in is not a, it's not an easy thing to overcome. I mean, it mm-hmm. just isn't, you know, and people who know me know my story, but, but I've worked really hard at repairing relationships. Mm-hmm. And I think that good leaders 
A really good leader is not afraid to apologize. They're not afraid. I mean, everybody has anxiety about that, but sure. <clears throat> but they muster up the courage in order to do what it takes to to say, hey, maybe I didn't have the best judgment there, or I made a mistake, or how can I make this up? And I so I think that, you know, one of my qualifications, I think, is is that I, I know how to recover. And that has forced me has forced me to continue to be a lifelong learner. I mean, I'm naturally curious. I want to know how people think even outside of myself, you know, and that's, um, it seems like we're in this political world right now where people forget that you can have two thoughts in your head at the same time, <laughs> very you true. know, and they, they want to, they want to push you one way or the other. And, you know, 90% of life is way more complicated than that. And you as a human being, I have the, I have the ability to have a relationship with you and be courteous with you. And even, even if I disagree, you know, and so I think that those are, but that attitude, that lifelong learner part, being able to recover, being able to apologize and admit mistakes, you know, I think that that has served me very well in business. That has served me very well over the last few years. And I think those are some of the things that I bring to the table. Now, policy-wise, I mean, I'm not, you know, our we have three really good county commissioners right now, and they have a variety of experience. One of them is a bar owner. One of them is a farmer. And one of them is a, is a ag teacher, you know, and... And so they just have this really great coverage and they, uh, so I don't have, I don't have any complaints. The only reason I'm running is because Donna Beveridge has chosen to not run. You know, the, the citizens a while back said that we want to do term limits on our county commissioners and limit mm -hmm. them to eight years. And she's, you know, she's going to do that. So there's just an opening that I'm running for. I think if, if there's anything that I'm frustrated with, and I'm not alone in this, is drug use, drug enforcement. Okay. You know, the way that Measure 110, you know, some of it, some of it is in, has good intentions, but it not being thought through, not having a plan. I mean, it has just had devastating effects. Well, that's one of the Absolutely. problems about initiative petitions just in general is they're not written by professionals right. generally. They're, they're written by activists. And, right. you know, if you ever want unintended consequences, just have an activist write, <laughs> write your bills for you. Right. And unfortunately, we've got a lot of activists in Salem. So most of those, a lot of those bills also end up with unintended consequences. But yeah, Measure 110, I think even, even the people in Portland are starting to realize right. that that was a mistake and that, um, it came from a, a like good intentions, but yeah, the reality is that it is causing way more harm than good by tying law enforcement's hands and not allowing them to give treatment to the people who need it. Right. So. And I have my son is a is a deputy sheriff here. Oh, okay. In in Union County, you know. So I mean, he tells me the stories about the people that he's had to revive with Narcan, and Jeez. you know, mm -hmm. and them them recovering him i mean being cold dead one minute and now alive and their attitude is like wow that was the best high ever i'm gonna try that again uh, i mean and so there's i mean yeah. we've 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 even taken away not only have we made drugs we've taken away the law 
there is no disincentive now from the law right. standpoint. Right. But but with Narcan, and I I mean I I you got to have fire extinguishers in homes to put out fires. So I'm not complaining about the wide distribution of Narcan, but we've even taken away the disincentive of overdosing and death. Now, clearly yeah. there's I mean if you look at overdose deaths, it's they're it's, up, it's, it's huge. Yeah. yeah. And so but still it's it's a it's a burning fire. It's a fire out of control. So, yeah. Well, I hope that we can do something about it whether it's the legislature or maybe another initiative petition, but yeah, that's I think I don't think that that's something you can handle at the local level. That has to be done at the state level, um, or at the very least, because it's. I don't. I think because it amended the constitution, um, it'd be hard to <laughs> hard to hard to handle that anywhere other than the constitutional level. Um, so anyway, I just had a quick question about the. Uh, didn't mean to cut you off, but the um, just the governance. Well, we do it anyway. Union, just the governance. Oh, yeah. union <laughs> you mentioned that there's three commissioners. Is one of them a chair, and then two? Commissioners? Is there a judge? Yeah, I mean that's that- yeah, that's it. It is a little bit of a you know, and I. So I think they pass the chair around. You know, oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. So they kind of they kind of rotate and stuff. But yeah, it's a. I mean, I was unfamiliar with the form of government. At you know, I mean, I think that there are. I've been told there are other counties that only have three commissioners or mm-hmm. have a small amount, of, but it's like, I mean. It's terribly inconvenient. They can't even get together. One of, I mean, they can't. If the three of them meet well, in the hallway, they they can't have a conversation about business because it's it has to be a public meeting, you know. So it's hmm. it's it's a weird it's is, a weird can, thing. I'm curious if two of them can talk because right. a lot of times if it's a fifty percent quorum, two people talking in a three person commission is uh, is a quorum. Yeah. So can you even have a conversation with your fellow commissioner I, I legally? Don't know. I have I, I don't know. I guess those are those are some of the things that I've kinda I would have to wade through. I, mean, I was to find out. Yeah. yeah. I was on an HOA board where by law everything we did had to be out in the open, public, you know, announced right. three days ahead of time. And yeah, same thing. Like I couldn't get a beer with so it was a five person board and so like two of us could meet, but three couldn't. We couldn't even yeah, we couldn't we couldn't meet anywhere. We just had to you had to do stuff one on one if you wanted to talk business. Oh, and and blast email blasts were were not allowed either. You weren't allowed to email everybody all at once. Well, and I'm so. such a team guy. Yeah, I mean i I work best in an environment our our work, our production house, and TV station. I don't I don't want just my opinions. I mean right. i right. I have opinions. I feel strongly about them, but i I like it when somebody comes up against me or challenges me or whatever. And so that because great decisions come out of a team thing. So I don't know how you would function as a team unless you, have, you have work sessions or I don't I don't know. That would be someone talk to each well, other and get right. to know each yeah. other. And I think they do that. And I don't know how they do it here, but I know in you know the metro area, which is obviously where we're more familiar with the county commission, they have working sessions, they have all this stuff. It's just it's all public and it's all like the there's a there's a Zoom link and you can watch them right. have all these discussions and and you know in Multnomah Washington Clackamas County those are well, not Clackamas but Washington and and Multnomah for sure those are full time positions right and so there's just there's just a lot of conversations that need to be had and you just you stick a camera on everybody and and let them talk about whatever they need to talk about but it has to be announced ahead of time and it needs to be public which makes it tricky 
I feel like that would be easier in the legislature where your quorum, you know, is 31 people. Right. Or so you don't, 16 in the Senate. Probably. Yeah. And so it's hard to get that many people together in a room, but a five person commission or even a three, that would be. Two quite, people is quite, still six, seven percent. Yeah. yeah, that's, yeah. A, that's a majority. That's a quorum. That's that's tricky. Well, so and how I, to solve problems like that? I don't, I don't know how that, yeah, how that structurally, work. yeah, like yeah. you're you're inhibiting us from doing how we're going to do this work best. But yeah, that's a, that's another thing. Uh, I'd be curious for your thoughts as a, um, as an individual who owns a media company. You're obviously going to be pretty plugged into the the news, the personalities, the kind of movers and shakers. Uh, do you, do you think that was part of kind of like what had prepared you to, to run for something like this? Or do you think that they're, look, my, my business is my business and I, I'm going to rely on other parts of my, my CV and my background to, and my, and my successes to, to ensure that I'm serving the citizens of Union County? Well, I, that's a good question. I don't, I, I frankly, I mean, I worked for a TV station when I was, in college. Okay. And I, I really hated it. I, huh. I disliked it. Yeah. And in, and in fact, when we started the production house part of it, my wife said, oh, you could, we could make commercials for people. It's like, oh, I hate that. I hate it. You know, <laughs> and I knew that there wasn't much money in that and it was complicated and difficult. And, and so, you know, the, the reason I got into TV was just because I, I like to tell good stories. I like doing what we're doing here. I like, and I mean, Union County is a better place because we know each other's stories. And, yeah. and EOL Live TV is kind of unique in that way that, you know, people come on and they talk. It's their own voice. They're not edited. You know, we're not using their sound bites and we're allowing them to tell their story. So that's, that's what I like. And that's kind of why we got into it is so that we could tell, we could let people could see each other. We could, we could see what was going on in each other's lives and benefit from the good things that are going on. Now, I mean, through that, I've built a lot of relationships, you know, and. It's kind of funny because as a minister, I was very siloed in a church, very siloed in this, this structure, this thing. And, um, and, you know, because of life's events, it just caused me to build relationships outside of that silo. And, and, you know, what I found is, is that, you know, my, you know, the gifts that I think God gave me are, they're used in every area. It doesn't matter if you're in the silo of the church or not. And mm -hmm. so, you know, so, so then through those relationships to answer your question, mm -hmm. I mean, I think that's kind of what's brought me to the decision of running for county commissioner. You know, it's, 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 I think I have a feel for Union County. Now, I don't, I mean, I still, I still have a lot of work to do. I mean, Union, LeGrand has about 50% of the population of Union County, but there's a lot of other smaller towns and I, I know people and I know them, but they're, you know, I'm not going to assume that their needs and their concerns are the same as, sure. you know, because that's, that's the same thing that's happening on the West side is yeah. they assume that they know what's happening over here and what matters to us over here, you know? So, but 
I do understand. I mean, the, the people that I grew up around in Wyoming are very similar to the same. The traditions are the same. The Oregon Trail runs through Casper, Wyoming, and it <laughs> runs through La Grande, Oregon. It's so, mm. it's so crazy. When I would go home, you know, it would take me, uh, it would take me like 15 hours to drive. And that same trip would take two months with a, with yeah, a, a covered Conestoga wagon. Conestoga wagons yeah. there. Yeah. yeah. Like, so, oh, but the people are super similar. I mean, they're just really good folks. The things they care about are fairly straightforward, you know. So, I guess, I don't know. I don't know if I answered that question or not, but that's... No, I I, I think you did beautifully. And honestly, it, I, I'm glad that you answered it the way that you did because you gave me fodder for something else. You, you, <laughs> you hit on something that has been... Uh, a, a, James mentioned this is now the second podcast we're recording today, and we also gave a... We are now officially guest lectures at Eastern Oregon University, which I thought <laughs> was very cool. Yeah, I was going to say, put that on the resume. But this is now the third time that this has come up today about the fact that here in the eastern part of the state, it's obviously a very rural part of the state, uh, a lot less population than Portland, Salem, Eugene, the kind of, you know, the I-35, the Willamette Valley, um, is the, is, this is this common thread that R or D, people feel like they are not represented when everybody, the governor, the, the leadership in the House and Senate, when everybody is from North Portland or from Kaiser or from Wilsonville or from – so right there in the, the very northwest part of the state. And it's a very urban, obviously, area that – and it's it's just chock full of folks who never take the time and never take the effort to understand what happens in this – I forget if it's the ninth or the 10th, but Oregon is like the 10th biggest state in the country. Most of it is rural. Most of it is agriculture dependent. Most of it has a lot of issues concerning natural resources that we just don't see in Portland, and nobody's that interested in – getting themselves up to be a subject matter expert on any of these policies and folks here do not feel that they are being represented despite the fact that you are an Oregonian just as much as I am. You live in LaGrande and I live in Portland. But every time you look at what what bills are making their way through the legislature, it's stuff to address issues that are happening in that part of the state west of the mountains. Yes. And so, yeah. yeah. Agreed. Yeah. yeah. So, <laughs> I wanted to question so, that. So your yeah. question, yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, I mean, and I've, I mean, it, certainly that is a, this, the rural urban divide that is everywhere. I mean, it's just, mm-hmm. you have, I mean, you have the same thing in Spokane and Seattle. I mean, sure. it's the same that, you know, I mean, the, you know, if you look, if you look at a map of the United States and you see, and they have, you know, where the power is held, it's, it's the coast, it's the cities. I mean, the political yeah. power, you know, mm-hmm. and so we're not unique in that. Um, there is a, there's a big movement going on here. And I, I don't know if it's big, but there's a movement called the greater Idaho movement, you know, yes, where, sir, yeah. Uh-huh. yeah, where there's, there's, I mean, this idea of, that we should join Idaho. And it's, I don't, I'm not sure that people have thought that through just on a very basic level very well. <laughs> but it's funny because, uh, I am a, I mean, I'm still the guy who watches the evening news or will watch it delayed, you know, streamed or whatever. My, I'm, I'm still that guy that, you know, even though I yell at the te- television from time to time, you know, <laughs> Sad, and most, of, all. most of the time my rant is tell the whole story, you know, yeah, because, yeah. Because they're they're cherry picking to push something or you know or not push something whatever it might be, but <clears throat> I I want to know I want to 
to, to know what other people are thinking. Anyhow, the point of that is this is so Tanya and I watch Sunday morning, uh, which Charles Gralt used to do that for years and years. And now Jane Polly, it's about an hour and a half long show on Sunday morning and it beautiful photography. It's the pieces are a little bit longer. Anyhow, they had a piece on the greater Idaho movement and they hmm. had interviewed some different characters. Well, they interviewed someone from the West side and who had a liberal bent and their response is, was it's not that we don't, it's not that we're not hearing you. We're just out voting you, mm-hmm. which is the absolute cold truth. You know, that's yeah. the truth. And so, and I, I guess, so I'm, I'm frustrated by that, but I'm certainly not willing to join Idaho. I mean, hmm. I mean, I mean, do you think anybody, I mean, if they could flip a switch today, do you think Oregonians would be willing to pay a sales tax <laughs> or uh, they would be able to point. go to deal with a lower minimum hour wage? You know, yeah. I mean, so it's just, it's, it's not a, it's not a, pra- but on the same hand, there's a lot, you know, why aren't we voting more? Why aren't we more involved? Why? I mean, what are we doing to represent the ideas that who we are over here? You know, I mean, I just, I think there's, there's more that we can do. Um, so I'm not, I mean, I don't know that I really have, I know I, the frustration, I feel it too, you know, and the real frustration is when you have like protected wolves, you have predators that mm. are, that are, they're making, I mean, if, you know, I, I mean, the, one of the most basic things that there is, is hunting in Eastern Oregon. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, a few years ago, there was an initiative that stopped the hunting of cougars without hounds. Well, anybody who knows anything about a cougar, the, you, the only way that you can hunt a cougar is if you find a kill that they have done, that they've eaten halfway and you kind of camp on that kill and wait for them to come back. But there's very, they're very difficult. Mm. So anyhow, so what has happened now is so the, the population of cougars is huge, which has reduced the amount of elk that sportsmen have to shoot and so on and so forth. So the, those are the kind of things that really aggravate Eastern Oregonians because they're people that are making those decisions. They have no idea. They have no idea how complicated it is to uh, protect their livestock from wolves, you know. And so, you know. And also, the financial impact of a dead cow right. is mm-hmm. huge. That's massive. And when you're squeezing margins as it is to try to make ends meet, and now you have a a, a livestock that you can't sell is, yeah. uh, is, a, is a huge Im- impact for your yeah. For your livelihood. So those, I mean, that's just an example of some of the yeah. things that, you know, f- that aggravate Eastern Oregonians, I think. Yeah. Well, and this is what you would think of as an, uh, as a politician who's centered on doing what's best for his or her constituents is, yeah, I, Tina Kotek probably didn't get a whole lot of votes out of Union County. She's probably not going to get a whole lot of votes when she runs in 2026. That's, I mean, that's just cold, hard truth. That shouldn't matter. Like, I mean, like I just said, you're an Oregonian just as much as I am, and her job is still constituent services. And if she's not directing the government agencies that she's at the helm of to 
ensure that life is good for all Oregonians, that we're not just looking to solve the problems from people who live west of the Cascades, that we don't just solve the problems of people in blue counties or people who donate to Tina Kotek and Alyssa Kenny Geyer and Elizabeth Steiner Hayward and all these people in leadership roles, then like that's fundamentally an issue. And you can see, I mean, I, I'm with you. I think the Greater Idaho movement is it's really interesting in that you know it'd have to go through Congress, so I think the probability of that actually ever happening is is relatively low. But I do think philosophically, it shows the level of dissatisfaction that people who have people who own businesses here, people who have been Oregonians for generations, people who probably did come over on the Oregon Trail, are more comfortable being part of another state than they are continuing with the level of representation that they they feel they have and it's one of those things where like you say maybe the whole thing hadn't been fleshed out the entire way but just from a a level of of angst and anger that is is being represented by folks in Legrand, folks in Malheur County, folks in Medford, folks all over the state in different rural parts of the state is is pretty insurmountable and it their their issues are obviously not being spoken to well and i i get and I sympathize with all that. I guess my thing is, what can we do about us? Mm-hmm. I mean, what can we do? You know, what can we do to to fix our world? And so then, that kind of—I mean, the reality is—is—is is, is that Boise is a huge metropolitan area. Over a course of time, it's going to become more and more liberal. That's just how how That's it how is. It works. Uh, yeah. yeah, you have younger. Yeah. As younger people become voters, they're voting more left. I mean, and so the the climate that we are in, you know, I'm 62. The climate that I'm in is, you know, I mean, 50 years from now to 40 years from now, there's, there's, you know, the whole country is going to be more left-leaning than it is right now just because of the trends that we can see. And so then I guess my question is, what are we going to do about that? Does that, it doesn't, it doesn't mean that you give up. It just means that you pick your fights. You, number one is, you know, and I like that you guys, your podcast, the rational, is that yeah, the, that's the us, rational yeah. Republican. Yeah. 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 See, and I, and I call myself a thinking Republican, not mm-hmm. that there aren't other Republicans that don't think, but the point right. is, I think there's is a that, lot of Republicans that don't think these <laughs> <yeah>. days. <laughs> the, we have to be able to think outside of our own. Self, you know, now being in business, having a TV station or having a digital TV station, you know, it has caused it. We've tried to be representative of our population. Okay. LeGrand is about 50 50. Union County is about 60% Republican, you know, 40% Democrat. Well, and so then when people get on me about stuff, it's like, hey, we're just trying to represent our population. You know, we're, we're not trying to be one thing or there. Well, that has led, you know, that effort has led to building a lot of relationships across the political spectrum mm-hmm. for me. And at the end of the day, those relationships that they're more important than, I mean, if I sit down with somebody even who, who doesn't believe the same way, I mean, we might have totally different look on, you know, abortion or some of those traditional, you know, Republican things, but if we talk about, well, what are we going to, you know, what are we going to do about this problem here in LeGrand? Chances are we can find a common space and a common thing to work on. And that's what I'm, and so I think that I, I get frustrated too, 
but I'm yeah. not. But the trend is, is that even if we jump into Idaho, even if we could flip a switch and do it, it doesn't fix the problem. The, the problem is we're, we're always going to have this thing where urban areas are going to be in control of political structures. Yeah. We're going to feel underrepresented. And so, you know, I'm not going to sit around and mope about it. Let's, let's figure out what we can do. Sure. Yeah. Well, so one of the things I told you ahead of time that we haven't quite got to yet was I wanted to talk about media bias a little bit. Um, since you work in, in media, um, I thought maybe you had some points on it. You mentioned earlier that you spent a lot of time yelling at the TV, like tell the whole story. <laughs> and kind of one of the examples I, I like to use is back in the day when I listened to NPR, what they would do is they would have a topic. They would have someone from each side come in and talk and debate. And then they would say, so Tom, what do you think about that? So their guy then gives a synopsis from a left perspective because they're NPR and they, they're all lefties. Um, and so despite giving equal airtime, the lefty always got the last word. And so you, you never really remembered. And, and so it's just like when we're talking to my, my friend who is a liberal and pointing that out. And he's like, wow, I never really noticed that, that they always do that. It's always a liberal who gets the last word. And that's the thing you remember because that's the NPR guy who comments on the thing. So, um, I don't know. What what are your – one of the reasons we like doing long-form content and you probably mentioned it a little bit also is that you do long-form content because you get the whole story. There's really no way we – don't, we don't chop this up. You know, what, what says here is how what gets on – what gets published. Um, I don't know. What, do you think that we're getting more and more biased? Is there a way that we reverse course on that? Um I don't know. When you say we're getting, do we think we're getting more biased? You mean we're hearing from the media? Is the yeah. media is the media getting more biased than it was? You know, I was talked about the evening news with Walter Cronkite. You know, everybody I, got the same right, information, yeah. and supposedly it was completely unbiased back then. I have my doubts, but right. <laughs> well, it's kind of funny. Because, you know, mainstream media, that's a term that was really invented by Rush Limbaugh years mm. ago, you know, and, and With I- his 200 million viewers, right. listeners. Yeah. Like. <laughs> but, but, but nobody even thought about media bias until he said that term over and over and over and over again, you know. Mm. And so, I mean, I, I, I think he, I mean, I heard him say it enough. I'm pretty sure that he's the one that kind of start, started that, pushing that. Yeah. <laughs> but, and- and don't give me that. I mean, I still, you know, if Rush was still alive and still on, I would tune in and listen occasionally. I mean, I listen to Lars Larson and I listen, I mean, I listen to conservative guys, you know, uh, but on the same hand, I'm not, they're, I mean, their opinion often is, is like a movie star talking. Okay. I mean, if a movie star takes a, a particular perspective on politics, they might be super good at what they're doing, but they, you know, it's just an opinion, yeah. you know. And so I, I guess my, you know, my thing is, is that, I mean, I like the longer form stuff because of that, because we can hear the story, the whole story. Now, let me, let me back up just a little bit. One of, one of, when we started EO Live TV, we we thought about it and we kind of just forest gumped our way into it. We just kind of, you know, I mean, we just kind of found our way into it, you know. But but along the way, we figured out there's some things looking at other competitors or other people in the area that we knew things that we didn't want to do. Mm -hmm. We don't we don't want to do drama. We're not mm -hmm. going to embarrass people. 
we're going to do everything we can to tell the whole story. If there's, I mean, and these are all things that are written down in our core values. If we know that we somehow have perpetuated a misunderstanding, we will go to effort to be sure and clear up that misunderstanding. We will go to an effort to try and isolate what we think that person's motive is and maybe help them to get their motive. You know, I mean, what they're really trying to say. Sometimes people struggle to, to say their words. And so then, you know, a follow up question. So what you mean is what you're trying to say is, is that, I mean, so hmm. those, those are the things that are really valuable to us. And so when I see that happening, you know, to answer your question, yeah, I mean, it is, Legacy media, that's what it's called now. I didn't right. realize yeah, that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the, the leg- well, I think that's, I think that's the new generation of right wingers who call it legacy media because it sounds like it's old. Yeah. And it sounds like it's, you know, yeah. past its time, yeah. past its prime. Well, it's kind of funny because I, I mean, Tanya and I watch a show that has Jennifer Aniston in it in, uh, it's called The Morning, Morning show, show or something. Yeah. yeah. Mm. It's on Apple TV. It's, it's really interesting. And it's, and, you know, and one of those things is, is this is a major network. She's one of the talents of it. And they're trying to figure out how to revitalize themselves. And because they're legacy media, how do we have this thing? So, I mean, that really is where I kind of got that term. Hmm. But, you know, when you see a show like that, it kind of gives you a peek into what you know really is happening at NBC, CBS, and ABC. And, you know, Fox, for that. I mean, they're trying to figure out a way of how do we be relevant in this moving target of streaming media that we have. So, yeah, I yell. But the thing that aggravates me is when, and media has always done this. They've always, they will, they will pick a story. It's kind of like if you have a plane crash. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, all of a sudden, let's say you have a plane crash and then, or you have an accident on the runway. This, this is, I mean, this is a real thing. They have an accident on a runway and then, and then, you know, a week later, there's another planes bump their tails or whatever it is. Well, the media will be like in the most recent story. I mean, they'll, mm-hmm. they'll make that a thing. Mm-hmm. I mean, they the danger in the sky yes, is increasing. Yeah. Right, right. And so then they will increase the fear of the public. With two incidences, but if you were to look at the facts and you were to look at those statistics of how often that happens, you're like, it's not really a big deal. This, this, this kind of stuff happens quite a bit. It's just that these two incidences happen within a week. Choosing to of talk each other. about it. And right, right. Well, hype it up. And, I always yeah. say, like, if your method of death is on the news, it's not something you need to worry about. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if it is newsworthy, they don't talk about heart disease on the news. I mean, right. except maybe just the morning show in general. Uh, they don't talk about car crashes. They talk about airplane crashes because airplanes don't crash that often. Right, cars crash all the time. So, well, and I think it's bias. You know, okay. So here's a little opinion. I mean, I get aggravated. I get aggravated. I mean, I'm. Uh, I mean, I get I get aggravated when. What we see on TV um, is not representative of population. Hmm. Okay. So Agreed. If, so if you had a brand new show that came on and you watched it, you can be assured that a third of those new characters are probably going to be gay. Maybe more so. Okay. Because – and I don't, hmm. I don't have – 
I mean, I don't have an issue with that. I have friends that are gay. What I have a problem is, is, is that it's misrepresenting the balance of population in, in the world. And I think race has become that same thing. I mean, you know, with Black Lives Matter and, and all of that. Now you, I mean, you watch a newscast and half of their staff is going to be black or ethnic because they're all, they're all making a real big effort to check the box. And I think what's, what's even worse, not, not, not that that's bad per se. I mean, I, I, again, same, have a lot of gay people in my life and I, that's wonderful. We're very happy that same sex marriage is legal, all that kind of stuff. But, I, I think what's worse than that is when somebody will go and try to monetize that. And I, a couple of years ago, there was a Toy Story movie that came out and it became a big scuttlebutt that there was, there's a same sex kiss. And it was the first time in a Pixar movie that there was a same sex kiss. And I, I still haven't, I've seen the clip, but I haven't never actually went and watched the movie, but it's like a two second clip that if you blinked, you would miss it. You would never know what was happening unless you were kind of primed to, to know that. Right. But they talked about it on the news and now everybody on the, who, who's anti same sex marriage gets all upset and everybody who's on the left and who's, you know, pro gay rights. And it's like, now we got to go fund our dollars and go see that and they probably sold more tickets out of that than they otherwise would have because now there's you know if you're two 36 year old adults and you're just like all right what movie are we going to go see are we going to go see the new you know martin scorsese that's going to be up for all these oscars or are we going to go see the buzz lightyear movie and it's like well we should go see buzz lightyear so that we know you know we're kind of voting with our dollars we should right, right. And you're, when you try to monetize something like that when you try to take advantage of people's they're, they're falling victim to the like oh you know look at look at us look at how progressive we are yeah. and you're going through and you're you're trying to monetize something that is like this is just normal in our society now right. and it's uh, that's just that feels just so grossly manipulative of of in that case it was disney who released the buzz lightyear movie right. but it's it, it you're right it, it is endemic that it's like you know the country as a whole is 12 percent african-american five percent homosexual there, there's all these different you know minor stats uh, not minor but less than what you would see represented in right. some new sitcom on ABC right so and I'll, if you I'll, ask and if you ask somebody what are those percentages they would be they would say oh that's not right well I'll be the just for the sake of argument be give the the left argument of that yeah. is that everything for so long was just overly white right and so now we gotta give more representation to minorities because We've gone so long where everybody on TV was white, and sure, I, I don't know. I, I guess I don't. I guess I don't disagree with. I don't. I don't care. I don't I, care that much. <laughs> like, I'll say. I think representation does matter. I. I, I, guess I, I think really it's a good me. thing, and I like that there are, and I like that there's movies like Crazy Rich Asians that has. It, it's not just a. Oh, let's just have this, you know, token Southeast Asian character so that we yeah. can go and like, oh, look well, at us, look how progressive we are. Easy. But they actually, they lean into a lot of the cultural milieu and a lot of some of the differences between, oh, you're from Vietnam or you're from Taiwan or whatever. You get a lot more in, into the history and the culture and it actually helps develop good plot points for the movie. It's not just this tokenization that is, I think, problematic. Right. And, and it, it goes, same thing with something like Black Panther, where the movie plot was based around these people being black, being, yeah. being African. Um, the, the issue then is when you're just gender swapping or you're race swapping and changing nothing else. It it's is, like it that, is a, it is a lazy, mermaid. yeah, little it's mermaid lazy. or the, the Ghostbusters thing, where it's just, it's, it's a lazy way to pander and try to, um, 
try to try, try to, to win money, some uh, win some brownie points yeah. uh when you're not developing characters you're not developing a, a you're not you're just you're just swapping colors and it, it it's it's that's the part that that is irritating so let's see more original content with well-developed characters where they are minorities and that is part of their identity it's not just a race swap i and i'm i guess i am the minute i get a whiff of somebody trying to teach me something mm-hmm. i mean if they're trying to I mean, if if it's written in a way to where, oh, we want to educate you or we want to persuade you. And that's my, I mean, that's my deal. I mean, I'm, I'm all, I'm, I mean, I'm happy to have great entertainment, but when those roles are particularly manipulated to teach me something or to mm. push an agenda and I can sniff that five miles away, you know, here's something that. I've never heard anybody talk about is so if we want to talk about racial equity, how does that apply to sports? Okay. Mm. Nobody ever talks about that because like, yeah, but I mean, because we don't want to mess with sports, but I mean, if you, if you wanted to build a case for whites not being represented in sports, you probably could, Mm. you know? So now I'm just saying if, if, these days, the equity thing, everything is thrown onto the wall that says it should be balanced, it should be equitable. But we don't talk about sports that way. It's uh, wholly unrelated to any kind of like race or DEI conversation. But I, the the teachers are on strike at Portland Public School District right now, and somebody went and found a bunch of quotes from you know lefty union people who are upset at the Republican state senators for walking out, and we passed a law we passed measure 113 to say if you leave your job for more than 10 days where you you're no longer eligible to serve in that role and now there's public school teachers who have my wife is one of them i I, it's not that i not empathetic to the cause of the teachers but you've left your role for now it as of today as of the 16th of november when we're recording this it has been 10 days and it's just like now, is this a rules for thee and not for me situation or, you know, what do we got the here? Amount of, the amount of outrage at, from the people in Portland about the Republicans walking out was is is totally absent from the from what's know, solidarity right with, with the teachers. <laughs> it's, it's super interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, well, we are running out of time. Is there anything else? Sorry, I kind of stopped this mid-conversation. Is there any other thing you wanted to talk about before we ask our final question of the podcast um no i don't okay. i you know i mean i i i appreciate these kind of conversations um i think that we're all better if we can again if we can just think outside of ourselves you know yeah. i have a persuasion or i have an opinion or whatever the case might be you know our society is better if i can try and relate to you as a human being and then and and that is happening regardless of what you think yeah. about a particular issue um you know and i just i think those are the relationships that i built with people is they they know that you know if i serve them i mean and i've gotten some positive feedback about me running and so on and so forth um but they know that if that if I'm elected, then I'm gonna I'm gonna think on their behalf, even mm-hmm. if we think differently. Mm-hmm. I'm going to try and represent them. I'm gonna try and and say, well, 
you know, um, this is what I think that they would want out of this. So appreciate it. hundred percent. Well, the last question of the podcast is one that we ask all our, all our guests and that is, do you have a favorite Republican and who is it? Anyone living or dead, someone you've met, someone you admire, you'd like to have dinner with, um, anybody at all. Well, here, I mean, it's funny because I moved here in 97 and moved here from Seattle you know, lived right in the university district, was a youth and music guy there and moved here. I I had no idea at the time Bill Clinton was president. He was in the middle of the his whole scandal and whatever was going on. Sure, yeah. It wasn't even on, on my register that he was a Democrat. Mm-hmm. I had no idea. Now, I mean, Wyoming is a fairly conservative state. When I think back, I, I never had conversations with my father about if he was a Republican or Democrat, you know, he was a, a county agent. He he understood stewardship of land and farmland and so on and so forth. Uh, the values that he had were were uh, on the right. The point of that is, is so then for me to, you know, even as an adult, I was, you know, I was in my 30s before I even understood what the difference between a Republican and a Democrat was. So I don't I don't, you know. I don't have, I don't have those people in my life. But you know, I I I value leadership. I value uh, the people that are willing to stand up and take the risk and pull the team together and say, "Hey, this is where I think we should go. Let's talk about this. Is there consensus to do this?" And then. We're not changing our mind. We have decided, and this is the direction we're going to go. And when I, you know, when I see leadership do that, then, uh, you know, that's the thing that pulls me in. I mean, and, you know, uh, Ronald Reagan was a great communicator. Um, uh, he, you know, the, the speeches that he gave, I mean, he showed and exercised leadership. Now, part of that was he was an actor. He was good mm-hmm. at what he did. But, mm-hmm. but if you look at the life of, uh, you know, Abraham Lincoln, uh, you know, in the decisions that he faced, you know, I, I think that's what I'm most interested in uh, is people who stood up against the fray and made hard decisions because they knew that that was the, the best thing to go. And they had been elected to make those decisions. Yeah. Well, good luck in your race. And maybe you'll end up being one of those people. We'll knock wood. We'll keep our fingers crossed. <laughs> Absolutely. All right. Yeah. Thank you so much for coming on. This has been great. Yeah. Appreciate it. Thanks, guys. All right. Listeners, we'll talk to you next time. Thanks for listening to the Rational Republican Podcast. Your hosts are James Ball and Nick Perlosky. The show today is brought to you by ProLift Garage Doors of Portland, serving the greater Portland metro area for all your garage door installation and repair needs. If you'd like to get in touch with the show, you can email us at james at jamesaball.com or follow us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. You can find our episodes at jamesaball.com, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or wherever you find your podcasts.